Welcome to Focused on Forward. The purpose of this podcast is to focus on recovery from life situations, be it a disease, chronic or acute, perhaps the loss of someone so dear to you in death, or a change of life patterns that has affected you so profoundly that you have no choice but to find your new normal and become focused on moving forward. Each episode is designed to show the positivity that people bring to each and every one of their stories, the successes they've had, ways that they have become so definitively focused on moving forward. We look forward to sharing their stories, and we hope that they inspire you just as much as they have inspired us. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Focused on Forward. Today, we're having the pleasure of talking with Trevor Madrid. He's a firefighter from Mesa, Arizona. And so Trevor has a kind of unique story here uh, of a rare form of cancer that he's had to deal with. But Trevor's going to go into a little more detail about that. But we're not going to just talk about the issue that he has. But like we like we like to do on Focused on Forward, we want to talk about just that, what Trevor's done to move past it, even though he's still, still at this moment uh, dealing with it what he's doing to become focused on forward and how he's navigating through life in the fun year that is 2020. So Trevor, thank you very much for being on our show. And we're so glad to have you. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. I appreciate this opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. This is great. We're uh, we always look for people who have a, um, a good story and a good background story, uh, something that people can uh, attach to now, just for a little bit of background, how we got hooked up with Trevor is that, I was scrolling through TikTok one day and I came across a video of this man with an IV on his arm dancing on his hospital bed. And I had to laugh because the very first comment on that video was from a nurse who was freaking out about him being on the bed and dancing. (laughs) (laughs) So I started watching more of his content, looking at more of his videos and going, man, this guy's got a great personality and a great uh, sense of humor for the situation he's in. I was like, I have to talk with this guy. So that's why Trevor's here. So Trevor, tell us a little bit about you, how, how uh, you, you found out you had cancer, what was going on, all those kind of things. Uh, fill us in on your backstory, if you would. So like you said, my name is Trevor Madrid. Um, born and raised, um, well, born in, in Mesa, raised in Vegas, came back when I was an adult for Mesa Fire when I was 21 years old. Uh, my passion, I love the fire department. Um, promoted to engineer, uh, tested for captain, uh, waiting on promotion for captain. And, you know, everything was going good. My wife's business was going good. She has a baby shop, Kind Knots, and we were doing amazing with that. And uh, we had a two-year-old daughter at the time. And we were playing on the couch and my daughter ends up like kicking me with her heel, just playing around, kicking me with the heel and my, my abdomen, my left lower abdomen. And it like put me over, like bent me over in pain. I'm like, what the heck happened? I can't believe this happened. And I was complaining about it for like 30 minutes afterwards. I was like, I can't believe she kicked me so hard on my stomach. And my wife was like, come on, Trevor, really? There's no way a two-year-old could kick you that hard. And I was like, I'm serious. I get really, really hurt. I can't believe that she kicked me that hard. So we go back and forth and she's like, oh, you're just being a wimp. Stop, stop being a wimp. So I'm like, okay, stop being a wimp, whatever. So fast forward like three weeks to a month, my wife ended up getting sick 
finds out that she's pregnant. That's why she was sick. It gets me sick for two days after she found out she was pregnant. I started having these terrible abdominal pains, like where I could barely move my legs out of the vehicle. So I, was, I couldn't believe that I couldn't move my legs. And I didn't want to go to the doctor because I'm like, I'm 33 years old. I'm not going to go to the doctor for abdominal pain. She persisted and you know, wanted me to go to the doctor. She's like, hey, you know what? I'm something seriously wrong with you. Or if you have cancer or something and you don't go, go get this checked out. I was like, come on, there's no possible way. There's nothing wrong with me. So I call one of my friends at the PA and she was like, hey, it sounds like diverticulitis. You're gonna need a CT scan. Just go to the ER, they'll do a CT scan. You know, they'll probably give you antibiotics and you won't be able to eat, you know, nuts or anything like that anymore. I'm like, okay, I can deal with that. I love like pistachios and stuff like that. But so that, that part will suck. Go to the ER and just, you know, talking to the ER doc, he says, sounds like diverticulitis. Let's do the CT scan, get you antibiotics and be on your way. You know, you're a young firefighter, you're going to be fine. So did the CT scan, doc comes in my room and he's like, hey, will you come, come to, with me to my office? So this is an ER doc, this usually doesn't happen. He's like, hey, will you come look at this computer screen? And I'm like, okay. And he's like, you see that big mass in your left lower abdomen. He's like, you have a five inch mass. He's like, oh so I'm like completely shocked. I'm like, I can't believe I have a five inch mass. I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's benign. Maybe he's like, well, we need to go get this biopsy. So I was like, okay, I'll check myself out. You know, I'll go get my wife because I went to the ER by myself because I didn't want her sick because she was newly pregnant. And he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, if you leave the hospital and go somewhere else, you're going to lose continuity of care. You just need to take an ambulance to an ER so you can get another ER that has biopsy capabilities so you could get in and get this taken care of this could be serious so he talked me into taking an ambulance ride my wife comes to the hospital um, we go to the next hospital which is like 30 minutes away and get biopsied um, the next morning my captain from the fire department comes to the hospital to see, because I, I called them the night before, like, hey, they found five inch mass in my abdomen. He's like, all right, I'll be there in the morning. He took six hours vacation in the morning. So we're sitting there just kind of like talking, you know, making small talk with my captain, my wife, kind of making jokes and stuff. Doctor comes in and he's like, hey, how are you guys doing? He's like, man, you look perfectly healthy. You know, healthy guy, not overweight, not no uh, existing conditions. He's like, but it's probably uh, one of three cancers. So these are either testicular lymphoma or a sarcoma. I'm like, take him back. My captain's mouth is wide open. Like, I can't believe I'm hearing this. My, I look at my wife and I'm like, I'm sorry. And I'm like, doc, is there any way that this could be benign? And he's like, highly unlikely. And he walks out of the room. And I've never dealt with cancer. So I never had that interaction with like somebody right, yeah. telling you bad news. So I'm like, okay. what the hell? Like, you're not even giving me hope, Doc. Like, I so can't believe. When, when he when he first said that, what was the first thing that went through your mind? What was your initial mental reaction to the 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 thought that you might in fact have cancer? 
so my wife and I both have that same thought. We've looked at each other and my captain says this to, tells the story too all the time. He's like, I looked at, I looked at my wife, Angela, and I was like, I am sorry. I'm sorry for what I know that I'm going to put you through just because I knew that this was going to be a long drawn out battle and this is going to be hard for her, you know? And she's like, no, I'm sorry. So I just felt bad that I was going to put Angela through all this because I know that cancer is not easy. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So now you, you're, the doctor's walked out of the room. He's, he's uh, left you where you felt that there was not a, a ray of hope. So let's continue from yeah. there. So felt like there's not a ray of hope. Um, I'm still thinking like, man, this could be benign. There's no way that it's going to be one of these three type of cancers. And then I start going through my process on elimination and I'm like, all right, so let's either hope that this is testicular or lymphoma because they're super easy to beat. You know, there's a lot of people with sarcomas and testicular cancer. I mean, uh, lymphomas and testicular cancer. So there's a lot of research, you know, and it's, I think testicular is one of the number one uh, cancers that firefighters get. So I'm like, let's hope it's from one of those. So I finally get out of the hospital and one of the other firefighters that had lymphoma, he gives me a call. He's like, hey, I know it's a little bit early, but he's like, I just want to like, talk to you and give you a couple of warning thing. So we just, he is kind of our sounding board initially because I had no idea about cancer. You know, I thought, I know people had different types of cancer, but I didn't realize like how many different types of cancer there were. Sure. You don't know till you know, you know, yeah, you don't know till you know, I think you just put that in the back of your mind. Like this is never going to happen to me. So he's like, Hey, when you guys go in for your biopsy t test results, just know that they're probably not going to have an answer for you for your first appointment. So he warned us going in like right before we went into that appointment. And I was like, okay, still couldn't really grasp my, grab, wrap my mind around what he was saying, but he warned us at least. So we go to that appointment and the oncologist was like, Hey, uh, the biopsy results isn't back yet. They know it's a sarcoma, but they don't know what type of sarcoma it is. So you know, this is a week and a half late, later. So we're like, okay, it's sarcoma, but we don't know exactly what type of cancer it is. So we go meet with a general surgeon because he's like, hey, just go meet with a surgeon, kind of come up with a treatment plan for surgery because it's probably going to have to come out. So this is a couple of days later. We meet with the surgeon that was at the hospital um, at his office. And, you know, we go back there and we're waiting. He comes in and he's like, hey guys, um, just wanna let you know that this is a really, really rare cancer. You have synovial sarcoma. Um, I'm not gonna be able to do anything for you. And we're like, what do you mean you're not gonna be able to do anything for us? He's like, um, he's like, I'm a surgeon. And he's like, if this was colon cancer or testicular cancer or anything like that, he's like, I could just cut it out, no problem. I'll be the guy for you. But since this is synovial sarcoma, he's like, you're going to need a very specialized team to take care of this. He's like, most surgeons and oncologists will never see this in your life. And I'm looking at my wife like at a blank stare because we're still spinning at this point with new information. 
Well, absolutely. And, yeah, I think that would and, that would do that and, for sure. And we still don't really grasp what synovial sarcoma is, you know, because it was just a word on a paper. You know, I could still kind of see the reading the paper, looking at it, not really understanding. Like, man, I've never seen this cancer before. And right. You're telling me okay. that a, a surgeon is saying that he won't be able to operate on it. So the first two doctors weren't capable. The oncologist never called us back. So wow. he let the he let the surgeon tell us that we needed to go. Oh, how find, nice! Find a new team. So we're like, okay. So we're thinking like team in Arizona. So he's like, hey, I have a friend in MD Anderson in Mesa. You know, I could get you with. He's like, but if it were me, I would go to Mayo or Houston. I would be looking at big sarcoma facilities. And we're still really not wrapping our mind around around this. So we start Googling, of course. You get in the car and you start Googling like what synovial sarcoma is. Right. Dr. Google. So, yeah, you start doing that. And I'm like, man, this is insane. I, and we're looking at the mortality rate and all like the bad stuff that comes along. I don't know if you Googled synovial sarcoma. Uh, oh, yeah, like, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting too that you say that you know as soon as you start you started doing google research uh last year when my daughter was in the hospital when she was di diagnosed with guillain barre syndrome we had never heard of it before right. uh, so as soon as the doctor tells us and walks out of the room my wife and i look at each other and we both get our phones out and start googling it which by the way is probably not a good idea when you're looking up uh something no. that's going to be life-altering you're right so start googling it um trying to figure out what we're doing ends up like trying to like call around call different um, cancer facilities trying to make appointments um super super stressful driving around the city trying to talk to other doctors so in this in the meantime my wife starts bleeding down her leg from her pregnancy oh no yeah so we're like oh my gosh, this is crazy. Um, we're going to take you to the doctor to see what's going on. You know, I don't know if I just made you stress out to where you're losing the baby. Oh no. So we go to, to one facility, we go to an OB facility and they're like, Hey, you have to be 24 weeks pregnant before we see you here at the center. You have to go to the main ER. ER, there was like there, my wife says like she saw somebody bleeding in the ER. There's a bunch of sick people. Last place I wanted my wife to be. So I take her back to where I get diagnosed because that hospital is really slow hospital. It's a smaller hospital. Um, end up taking her back to that, that facility. And um, so she gets a ultrasound. And I think it was a I can't remember exactly what the hemorrhage was. Corey, I don't, I don't know the exact name of it. She had a hemorrhage, like a small, like a small tear in her uterus that ended up healing itself, but the baby was doing fine. Okay. Well, that's a close call. So, but... so in that meantime, we're sitting there Googling more. I'm like, all right, I have this idea. I was like, all right, firefighters are getting cancer a lot. I knew that they were getting cancer a lot. I didn't know the exact rate that we were getting cancer. Uh, so I just started Googling firefighters. I was like, I'm just gonna start reaching out to any firefighter that's put 
themselves out online that is dealing with this type of cancer to see what kind of treatment that they've done. So first firefighter dead within three months, second firefighter dead within a year, third firefighter dead. So by the time we hit the fifth firefighter that died within a year, I was like, all right, that plant sucks. I'm not going to, not going to do that anymore. Right. <laughs> you know, wow. and, and my wife is like, please stop. Like this is yeah. already a terrible day. Like, right. We yeah. need to like, wow. Like she, she was on board with me. Like, let's look up somebody that knows what to do, where to go. Well, it's a smart yeah. idea because, you know, you look at somebody who's already gone down that path and, you know, hey, is there something that they're doing that I can emulate? You yeah. know, it makes sense. Um, but yeah, that's a kind of a harsh reality when the people you're looking for aren't, aren't there anymore. That was a really, really harsh reality. Um, looking at looking for those firefighters and like not seeing some and like my captain Googled it. There's everybody that I talked to kind of like just stopped Googling it because everything that they saw when firefighter gets this type of cancer, it's really not good. You know, the mortality rate super high, but looking back at it now, now that I know more, the mortality rate super high because synovial or synovial sarcoma is usually in your joints. Synovial fluid is like what makes your, your joints lubricated. And that's what my cancer is based on. So usually firefighters work out a lot. Um, they have a hard job where they are lifting patients. Um, you're going in fires, you're training, you're doing all kinds of stuff. So if you're sore, it's really, really not uncommon to be sore to the point where you're like, oh, that kind of hurts. But I've, I felt this before, I know it'll go away. But usually that soreness doesn't go away in joints. So people just keep putting off like, oh, I sprained my elbow. No, I sprained my, my ankle. And they just kind of like live with it. And then they live with it so long that it metastasizes and it goes to other places. So okay. I'm lucky that mine is localized in the abdomen, even though usually one to three people out of every million get my type of cancer. It being in the abdomen, the doctors are saying like, hey, one of the, my surgeon in New York, Dr. Yoon, is an amazing surgeon. That's all he operates on is gastrointestinal and sarcomas. And he was like, I don't think I've ever seen your type of cancer in, your, in the abdomen before. So that's how rare it is. Holy cow. So a guy who specializes in this has never seen it before. Right. So. Wow. And we were kind of warned early. So the way that we got to Mayo, um, our old neighbor in Vegas, her best friend married a doctor that's on the board for Mayo. And I don't know how my wife remembered it. We were driving somewhere and she's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I, I forgot about Daisha's friend. So she ends up calling our old neighbor and it's like, hey, is your friend still in Arizona? her husband working at Mayo and it just happened to be that he's on the board so we got connected with him and he's like hey guys like I'm gonna you need a really specialized team for this type of cancer because it's so rare he's like any cancer facility is going to want to treat you because you're a young guy they could throw everything at you he's like the way that I could put it is like you're the Kobe of cancer everybody wants you on their team because they could throw anything at you and you'll be fine. So you got to be very, very careful on the doctors that you choose. 
So I'm still really not wrapping my mind around it. We just kind of keep that in the back of our head all the time. So uh, went to MD Anderson, their facility. Um, we just didn't get a great feeling from the surgeon. He's like, when the time comes, we'll see when this happens. He was dealing in like, we'll see's. And like, I wanted to deal in certainties. So right. I'm not this saying that he's like a, a great surgeon. Right, but this seems like a time for definites, not maybes. Yeah, exactly. So we're like, all right, you know, maybe, you know, it's not a sarcoma center. We knew that the, the MD Anderson in Mesa is not a sarcoma center. So we're like, hey, we'll just go to Houston. This is before we got into uh, Mayo because we, we're still trying to talk to the doctors in Mayo and try to get in. And at this point, for anybody that's listening right now, know when you're looking for a cancer facility to treat you it does not happen right away you think that i thought it's kind of like general hospital where you get diagnosed with cancer doctor comes in and is like hey you have this much time to live and we're going to start treatment right now no like it takes months for treatment plans to get put in place even yes. though you want things to move fast right and you could definitely help yourself by making those phone calls, making sure they need stuff um, and just being on them to always get back to you too. So you could push appointments. Absolutely. If you're out yeah. there and you're, you know, you have to be your own advocate. If you don't feel something's right, you have to change it and you have to like push for what you think is right because there's going to be really no one else that's going to advocate for you, but you. Agreed. And luckily I have, my wife when i feel like no it's okay she's like no it's really not okay let's do this this and this so we have sounding boards where we could sound off each other so i leaned heavily on my wife angela for that and i'm super super happy that i have her because when i'm on chemo and i have chemo brain or chemo fog or whatever anybody wants to call it i could lean sure. on her for, for you know being that sounding board like hey no this is the plan that we're going on and so she'll speak up and even first, like through these first appointments, trying to get to the cancer facility, um, I was in awe sometimes just like, what the hell is going on? And my wife's like, no, she had these bullet points written down, you know, like, these are the things that we want to know. So tell us what we want to know out of these things. So finally get to Mayo. Um, figured out that MD Anderson and Mayo and anywhere I'd go would use the same chemo for synovial sarcoma. It's called AIM chemo, where you're hospitalized for five days, they give you chemo and you can only get a maximum of six rounds of it. So I knew nationwide anywhere I went, this is the chemo it's gonna go. So that's how we chose um, Mayo here in Scottsdale instead of going, or in Phoenix, instead of going to MD Anderson and Houston. So started chemo, um, knew that I wanted to help other people out, but for some reason, you know, everything was so new. Last year just like blew up in our face, didn't really post very much on social media, was kind of quiet about it, uh, just going through treatments. Um, the first treatment, I got home, firefighters were here, they redid my bathroom, put a new toilet in just because they knew how bad chemo could possibly be. It's awesome. So, super awesome. The brother and sisterhood's been absolutely amazing. The guys That's in my department man. are That's amazing. Awesome. So it. they came, yeah, they came, redid my bathroom, new toilet, new floor, new vanity, 
amazing. Just because the doctors told us like, hey, you're not gonna be able to use the same bathroom as your family because chemo is so toxic. So giving them high fives, giving them hugs, like thank you guys so much. Um, I didn't take my nausea medicine because this is like when after I get home after five days, they're still like finishing my bathroom up. So there's probably like 10 guys here, you know, doing this bathroom, give them all hugs and like so appreciative. Like that meant so, so much to me that, you know, these guys would come on their days off. There's a couple crews here that were on shift at the time. And it was truly, truly amazing. So I didn't take my nausea medicine for like six hours because I felt good. But I was coming out of the hospital where I was getting IV med or nausea medicine. So composine and added. I didn't. I went to sleep. I woke up and probably threw up like 31 times. I think I counted it 31 times that night because Holy I was cow. so far behind. I was so far behind on my nausea meds that taking nausea meds orally couldn't catch me up. Holy so you need to be like on a steady base. Right. So I had the guys come over, give me an IV. So I ended up having two bags of IV fluid from the fire department. And I was just trying to stay home because I didn't want to go to the ER. Ended up going to the ER because I was still super nauseous, could barely move because I throw up, thrown up so much. Um, they give me IV um, medication, IV composine, and finally I didn't feel nauseous anymore. So it was like a terrible first day out of the hospital. So with cancer or with chemo, like it drops your immune system really low. And usually it goes the lowest, like two or three days after you finish treatment. So having the guys over, those were the only people that I, I had over at the time that nobody else came over. I ended up getting coronavirus. It was like the common cold coronavirus. It wasn't COVID-19. And okay. ended up getting sick, getting a fever. They're like, anytime you get a fever over 100.4, you need to go to, to the ER. And I'm like, holy crap. Okay. So didn't want to go. Didn't want to go. My wife's like, no, you're going. Not a choice. Test me. Ended up getting coronavirus before COVID-19 was even out because this was last year and I was in the ICU for five days just from the common cold and the docs hey. were like hey you know were you out in public what were you doing were you going out to eat what you know were your kids playing somewhere kind of trying to figure out where I got got sick from all right do a little contact like, tracing. No. yeah yeah all the guys were at the house doing my bathroom and I was giving everybody hugs, you know, cause I'm so appreciative. So they're like, no, like if anybody's sick at all, your immune system is nothing. So you can't, can't do that. So within the first week I threw up 31 times and I got put back in the ICU for five days. So that kind of started my social distancing last April, you know, April, 2019. So we've had, practice on social distancing because I've made that mistake for a long time. Right. So I did six, uh, I did four treatments of chemo and then um, went to New York 
got surgery, did two more, or and after the surgery, did two more treatments or rounds of chemo. And um, the, the pathology came back and they said, hey, you have, have cells that were left over. Your, your tumor wasn't all the way dead from chemo. And so you have cells left over, you need radiation. So they did 31 treatments of radiation. And honestly, my radiation oncologist who got me to New York, because she's like, you need especially a specialty surgeon to take care of your cancer, take it out. So Dr. Shukla has been absolutely amazing in this process. So she did 31 treatments of radiation and I felt great. I was getting healthy again. Uh, went back to work, worked for a few months. And then May, I went back in for my first scan, my initial scan after treatment. And they're like, hey, Trevor, um, you have another tumor that's five centimeters in between your bladder and your, your tailbone. So this is my second tumor that I'm, I'm on now. So they're like, hey, we're going to be really aggressive with this. We're going to do really high dose ifosamide. It's a type of chemo and you're going to be hospitalized for seven nights, eight days. And we're going to give you chemo straight through, you know, 20 hours a day of those days. Oh, wow. So super, super long chemo. And at this point, I'm like, I want to give back um, and let other people know like, hey, what I'm battling and let them know that if as long as you stay positive, you could get through this. And it just happened to be that TikTok was the app that I was using. So just kind of dancing, having fun. And it really, really, there's been a lot of people that reached out and like, hey, you've made my day. Like when I'm having a bad day, I look at this and, you know, you've really changed my perspective on how I'm, how I'm looking at things. So you know, I just started doing TikTok more and more and there's a ton of firefighters to reach out and just the, the awareness of firefighter cancer. I'm trying to put that out there because a lot of people don't realize you're more likely to die from cancer as a firefighter than you are from a burning building, a car accident, heart disease. Oh, really? Anything. Yeah. So all those combined, you're more likely to die from cancer. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I would not have known that. So that, yeah. So I'm trying to put that out there. So the public actually knows like, Hey, this is a serious issue and you know the guys out that i work with guys and girls i work with like hey this is really really serious you need to make sure you take the precautions to keep your your yourself safe for your family okay it it brings it to light for other people yeah absolutely so where are we at right now in the stream of things for your health now we know that you you so you you, you dealt with the one tumor Mm -hmm. now you're dealing with the second tumor uh, so where are we at right now in the level of treatment? So right now, last week is, and the week before, the last two weeks have probably been like the most hectic weeks ever trying to figure out what the next course of treatment is. So the whole plan from before was to do four rounds of chemo, go get surgery, come back and do another six rounds of chemo afterwards. And so that was the plan. Uh, the surgeon was good with it. Everybody was good with it. So two Fridays ago, I get called and they're like, hey, Trevor, um, I don't think the surgeon called me himself. 
And he's like, I don't feel safe doing the surgery. Um, you're going to need radiation. So I'm like, oh man, that sucks. Okay. You know, surgery's canceled. We already had plane tickets booked. You know, we're found a place to stay, getting ready for travel. So that just blows up in your face. And he's like, I'm letting you know right now that you're going to need an illinosomy bag. And he told me like, hey, we're not going to be doing surgery. There is, we want to have positive margins and positive margins are clear cells with no cancer in them. And he's like, I don't believe that I could get positive margins without doing radiation. So he's like, I'm also going to take some of your colon. So you're going to need an illinosomy bag. You're going to need a bag to let your colon heal. So I'm like, oh, you know, you're not just taking this tumor out. You're taking out colon with it. So the surgery is going to be way longer process. And it's not going to be one surgery. It's yeah. going to be two surgeries. Yeah, that's pretty extensive and, surgery too. So the colon. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to be traveling to New York twice. So like, holy crap, this is going to be way more expensive than we thought. This sucks. I'm going to have a bag. Like you're just going through all these things that are running through your mind. So finally I got okay with it. All right, let's do this. Let's do radiation, you know, and we'll get surgery. So then I get called and they're like, my oncologist was like, Hey, chemo will probably be the best course of treatment with radiation because it's a it enhances the chemo enhances the radiation so it's a sensitizer so as you get if you you're getting radiation and chemo at the same time it makes the radiation stronger in that area so i'm like okay so i'm getting chemo on top of getting 25 treatments of radiation and then we'll go to surgery so wow this is the third time that has changed within a few days of each other okay so i was like okay they're being aggressive i could wrap my mind around that so the following friday i get a call back from the surgeon he's like hey we took this to tumor conference and um we are i'm a little bit concerned with the other legions that we're seeing on your colon i'm like what other legions you know i'm been dealing with this for since may and nobody's ever talked about other legions he's like yeah we're seeing another legion on your colon then we're seeing one in your lung and i'm like what the hell like what is going on and he's like well i don't i think that you should probably look at a clinical trial so he's like i'll call your doctors right now and then i'll let them talk to you so i'm like okay we'll look at a clinical trial so it changed again so we took um, blood work and it took a week and a half for it to come or 13 days for it to come back and we're, or no, 10 days for it to come back. And we we're like, what the hell do I have the right markers for this clinical trial? Ends up that I don't have the markers for the clinical trial. Now we're back to doing chemo and radiation. So it changed again. <laughs> so You're just kind of get bouncing all over the place then just bouncing all over the place nobody really knows what's going on with my course of treatment and then that's totally not our personalities like we're a family like where we make a list we're gonna hit these things on the list check them off right we're we're scheduled we're gonna you know we, we yeah. we're organized we're scheduled we're gonna do it this this and this 
yeah and cancer has not been that way it's kind of taught us that we can't control everything every aspect of our lives very Sometimes. true yeah so now we're back to chemo radiation and then surgery five weeks after that so we're looking at surgery sometime early december so we start i start chemo radiation next monday okay yeah so, so. all right so that kind of gives us a snapshot of where you're at and what's going on. So let me ask you this. You have all this reason as to why, uh, if somebody wanted to be a little down in the mouth, so to speak, they mm -hmm. could be. Um, right. So what keeps, you, what keeps you going? What keeps you being the positive person that I have found you to be uh, in, in our conversations and uh, uh, what I see on TikTok? And I can tell you from what I see on TikTok, it's not an act that that's that seems to be exactly who you are and what you are. So what keeps you positive? So what keeps me positive is my wife, Angela, and my two little kids, my daughter, Mila, and my son, Maverick. Daughter's three and my son's, he'll turn a year um, October 20th. So just to know that I come home and they absolutely love me and, you know, my wife absolutely loves me and needs me knowing that I have somebody to fight for, it makes it really, really easy to stay positive. Cause I don't want ever want my, my daughter, since she could actually know, like see me sad, you know, see me down. Um, my wife's kind of made it a point to where like, I can never really lay in bed. She's like, you could come be a dad and lay on the couch, but you can't just like hoard yourself in the room. Like so, that. you know, and another thing that we made a pact, my wife and I made a pact on, is we can never have two bad days in a row. So it's okay to have a bad day. Absolutely. You know, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to cry. It's okay to like be mad at God if you want to, be mad at whoever you want to be mad at or sad about. It, that's fine. But not to have two days in a row like that. So, right. You know, two days easily becomes three days, three days easily becomes four days. Exactly. So we can yeah. have a bad day and we always make sure it's not two, day, two in a row. Whether we do a home project or, you know, if I'm having a bad day, I'm like, hey, I just need to get on the Peloton. I need to work out, you know, because that's been my go to is like, if I'm feeling bad, I'll do a workout and get like aggression or whatever emotion that I don't know, like how to deal with. I'll work out and it'll help me with that anxiety and not feeling like I'm having a good day. Okay. So being positive for my family is definitely a thing. And then also making these TikTok videos, as much as it's helped other people, it's helped me because it gives me an outlet, something to be positive about having a community. And that's been like a really, really good thing with at this time is having a really strong community and TikTok, it's amazing how positive and strong that community is for me agreed yeah there's a lot of positivity uh you know different different content creators are are, are spreading that the, that thought of positivity and, and being positive and so it can be a very positive place and it, and it can be a very encouraging place uh especially when you have people who are doing the things like you're doing and, and so uh kudos to you for being uh a member of the the positivity uh, group that needs to be, you know, showing that what needs to be done and how to do it. So that's really cool. Um, 
let me ask you this as well. And this is a question I like to ask all my all my guests. So if you listen to any of the other episodes, you may already know what I'm about to ask. So looking back over your entirety of your experience and not to minimize it down to one sentence, but if we were to minimize it down to one sentence, what's the one shining star of, of that you've learned over the last two years? What's, you know, that, that shining star, that beacon that you go, this is what I've learned over the last few years. Um, the beacon that I've learned is that I could tell anybody is not to have two bad days in a row. Like we've already hit on it, but it's okay to have a bad day, but it's not okay to have two to 10 bad days in a row because it really like manifests itself when you start having bad days and thinking things are going bad. You, you have to find the positive light in everything that you're doing when you're in a bad situation because it's just not healthy to dwell on the bad stuff that you cannot control. So I like that. That's good. Yeah. yeah. When, uh, when my, when my boys were younger uh, and I, and I also said this to my daughter as well, uh, she's 13. My, my oldest son is, well, he's almost 22 now, but, um, and then my middle son is 18, but, uh, when they were younger and they would fall down and hurt themselves, uh, we're big hockey fans. Right. And so uh, we'd always tell the boys and my daughter, you know, suck it up. You're a hockey player. Um, <laughs> and the reason for that was, is that, you know, if you ever watched hockey or you pay attention to hockey, uh, if they're hurt or if they're not feeling the greatest, they suck it up and they just keep going. They do what they need to do uh, yep. and, and they power through and, and just get it done. It doesn't mean that, that they're, happy about it doesn't mean that they're enjoying it but it does mean that right. they're able to power through and, and kind of you know push ahead um and so you know uh, last year while my daughter was going through therapies and treatments you know i'd look at her and go hey suck it up you're a hockey player and she yeah. quickly reminded me that she wasn't but that's not the point uh <laughs> 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 all right so cool so and then, and then also too, just in, in almost in a little bit of a conclusion here, uh, what one piece of advice would you give to somebody who's dealing with any type of cancer? What's the, what's the greatest single greatest thing that you've discovered along your journey that, that you would want to make sure that somebody heard and understood? The greatest thing that I think should, somebody should know is know that the doctors are practicing medicine. So if you have a gut feeling that your treatment is not going the way that you want it to go, you have ultimate control and you could get a second, a third, a fourth opinion until you find the treatment plan that fits you perfectly and that you feel comfortable with. You don't have to, just because they're a doctor and they might be smarter than you, because there's doctors that are way smarter than me. If I disagree and don't feel comfortable with their treatment plan, I am not going to put myself and my family through that. So get multiple opinions so you can make an informed decision for yourself. Very good. Yeah, absolutely. Knowledge is, knowledge is power. And, and mm -hmm. anything you're doing in life, knowledge is power. So that's good. Okay. So Trevor, um, 
what let everybody know what your TikTok name is so that when people go to TikTok, they can look you up. Because honestly, guys, uh, if you aren't already following Trevor on TikTok, you need to. Uh, <laughs> and I mean that wholeheartedly. I really do. Um, he has great content. And if, uh, you know, if you don't, if you watch one of his videos and you're, you're not smiling afterwards, then, then you know, <laughs> watch a second or third one. You will be soon enough. So what's your TikTok name? My TikTok name is kind of underscore knots. Um, it's my wife's business name. Like I told her about uh, TikTok a long time ago when it was musically that, hey, this is going to be the next big app. And she's like, there's no way that's going to be the next big app. It's just a bunch of kids singing on it. And I'm like, I'm telling you this to be the next big app. Yeah, go give us a follow. I hope that I'm able to brighten your day every once in a while and, you know, do some fun dances uh, going through radiation. I want to give people an idea of like what radiation actually looks out looks like from a patient's point of view instead of like a brochure because everything you look up for radiation it's all a brochure approach so well, that's all been photoshopped and lost me, so yeah my, my my doctor's letting me film all my radiation treatments so i'm going to post all those on tiktok so people could actually see what day-to-day -day radiation looks like oh cool all right so yeah, we'll look out for those too. So Trevor, hey, thank you so much for being on today. It's uh, We've really enjoyed your story, your positivity as well. And we wish you all the best with this, sir. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you having me. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. So go look up Trevor Madrid on TikTok. Follow his stuff. Give him a, give him a like on his videos. Go like and a follow. That's how we do it over there. Send him some positivity, some nice comments, because as much positivity as he's sharing out, he's going to need back as well as he pushes through this. So this is a this is a, a nice way to be able to support somebody else uh, on uh, their journey through life. So I think that's going to do it today for us here on Focused on Forward. Well, that concludes another episode of Focused on Forward. To be a guest of Focused on Forward, you can reach us through Twitter at podcast FOF through our Facebook page named Focused On Forward or through email focusedonforward at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing each and every one of your stories that has yet to be told. So until then, be safe, be kind, and be loving to one another as you stay focused on forward.